0: AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, Brett Johnson with you here on a Tuesday afternoon. And we're joined again by Patrick Kulikan, who is the editor-in-chief of the Minnesota Reformer. Make sure you go to minnesotareformer.com for the latest in Minnesota news and politics. As today, we are going to be talking about marijuana legalization in Minnesota, as recreational weed is now legal in the state. Plus, we'll be talking about why you probably shouldn't be eating fish out of the Mississippi River. That's according to the Minnesota Department, or the the Minnesota DNR, and... Needless to say, I probably wasn't planning on doing that anyways, but we're going to be talking about this new DNR recommendation from the state saying that uh, uh, some of the fish that you could be catching in from the Mississippi River could be uh, contaminated with PFAS chemicals. So, Patrick, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. So, as I mentioned, recreational marijuana is now legal in Minnesota as of today, here on August 1st. That is for adults age 21 and older. They are able to use and possess marijuana in Minnesota, making us the 23rd state in the union to legalize cannabis for recreational use. The first dispensary to sell marijuana for recreational use is now open and selling to people on the Red Lake Nation, which is significant because most other uh, retail places that aren't on Native American reservations probably won't be able to sell until about 2025 to get through all of the licensing and procedures needed with that. So I understand, Patrick, you guys have had some reporters checking things out around the state today. Uh, What have you been hearing hearing from them on how things have been going today?
1: Yeah, uh, Max Nestorak uh, is up at Red Lake, and uh, he was there. And you can go to our website, MinnesotaReformer.com, and see all the folks uh, in a very festive mood. Um, they are uh, they were waiting in line for uh, the doors to open, um, and uh, made the the significant trek up there, um, along with a lot of reporters, photographers. Um, so as you mentioned, uh, Red Lake um, opening. Um, probably gets a year uh, or more head start on uh, the rest of the industry, which is expected to be as much as a billion-and-a-half-dollar industry. Um, and and so uh, the, the other folks who are trying to get in uh, to the industry are going to have to wait on the, the new regulatory regime and uh, all the licensing procedures, uh, as you mentioned. Um Although currently, uh, of course, we do have the, we continue to have the low-dose edibles, TC edibles and drinks. So that's kind of, uh, a lot of places already have that available. Um, But as far as uh, so-called flour and other uh, products, um, folks in the Twin Cities are going to have to wait, Um, although uh, I think there's still kind of a, a... a real festive atmosphere around, um, the Metro today. And, and we have a reporter, Madison McVan, who's out, uh, kind of going to events and, and checking out the scene, if you will, um, as people enjoy this, uh, newfound freedom. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I have to say, uh, growing up in the nineties, um, eighties and nineties, this is just, um, it's, if you had told me, uh, you know, as as a college sophomore in 1995, that, um, in, in, uh, 27 years or whatever it is, uh, I'd be able to walk down the street and get myself some, um, THC gummies, uh, at the corner store. Um, I think I would have been pretty, um, uh, pretty surprised at the time. Um, and so in general, I think it's a, it's a pretty good day to be a Minnesotan. Um, and uh, to celebrate this newfound freedom and finally ending, I think, what has been a, a destructive prohibition regime.
0: I'm absolutely with you. I mean, even going back like 10 or 15 years ago, I would have been uh, relatively shocked just for the fact that Minnesota, when it kind of comes to these types of vice issues, is usually a little bit behind the curve. I've even been thinking about, you know, like the sale of fireworks where we've uh, obviously lagged behind states like Wisconsin. So I thought we would kind of go in the same boat when it came to cannabis legalization. But lo and behold, we do have it now recreationally legal in the state. do want to focus a little bit now on the ability of native american tribes and their ability to sell a little bit ahead of the curve as we were mentioning Uh, let's talk about why that is the case and i'm curious if there's expected to be any other expansion from uh, other possible native american tribes around minnesota to open their own dispensaries because i imagine this could have a pretty big economic impact for for some of these places
1: yeah so these are sovereign nations so they don't uh their laws are, are different from the rest of the state, um, and so they're uh, allowed to make their own their own laws regarding uh, legalization, and, and Red Lake recently did, and uh, White Earth has as well. Max, uh, a reporter, scooped that as well. on. Uh, I think that happened on Friday. Um, so, you know, for now, uh, they're the only game in town, if you will, um, as far as having the full suite of products. And uh, they plan to expand, and I think we'll see White Earth um, also uh, opening stores in the near future. And then they also have the ability to to open dispensaries off reservation um, it, via compacts that they're going to negotiate with the administration of, uh, of Governor Tim Walz. So uh, definitely um, an opportunity, especially here in the early going, where um, they can draw some traffic. Um, from neighboring states, but then also um, from- Minnesotans uh, maybe in the cities or nearby who who maybe are just interested in uh, the novelty of it um, and then um, and we'll also spend some money on the reservation. Red Lake is um, unfortunately uh the poorest um of the uh, of our tribal nations, and so hopefully this would uh, provide some economic uh relief.
0: Well, I know you mentioned in the newsletter this morning that you are going to be working on a column eventually that talks about maybe kind of how we should uh, portray the the legalization of cannabis and how maybe it should be mildly discouraged, but not quite saying, well, we need to make it illegal, but kind of treating it like we do alcohol, for instance, where obviously it's legal, but it's a little bit discouraged. Uh, Give us a little preview on what you might be uh, talking about in that upcoming column.
1: Yeah, I don't think that prohibition is a good idea when it comes to these vices. I I don't think that uh, um, all it does is it catalyzes the black market and you waste resources chasing it. And, then, um, you know, some people, very often people of color wind up getting caught up in the justice system, um, whereas white people get away with uh, whether it's marijuana or what have you. Um, At the same time, like, uh, I think we ought to regulate and um, I think that uh, if we're going to treat this as a public health issue, then we ought to be serious about it. And um, I think that um, Minnesota's uh, tighter regulations on alcohol, uh, which have been loosening in recent years, um, but, you know, bars closing at at one. I remember when when I'd come here to visit uh, a college friend and like everything would close, it seemed to me that everything closed early. I think I was living in Chicago at the time and I worked at a bar. We stayed open until I think four on Saturday nights, Sunday mornings. Um, And uh, I just don't think that was good for anyone. Um, There's really no reason to be out at that hour. Um, And you're, you're not really inhibiting someone's freedom very much. Um, Whereas the, the potential costs of that are high. So you know I think you can apply that to gambling i don't I don't think making it easier to gamble um is great. I don't think the state being involved in gambling is a great idea. It's not the say should be illegal again um but I think we can take a um a policy posture uh that is not sanctioning uh the behavior and i I think the same would go for uh um smoking marijuana on the sidewalk for instance uh, currently the, the the new law uh, would allow for that i don't think that's a great idea i don't think that we would want open containers of alcohol on the sidewalk there might be some area of of a city that might want to do that at certain hours of the day um but you know we've had great success in the united states um curbing tobacco use uh, and we've saved a lot of lives that way. Um, and, uh, we've done that through, um, some pretty, uh, tight regulations on where people can use it and, and, and when they can use, uh, tobacco. And, um, I think we ought to take the same approach, um, with these other substances. Um, and I think there's probably some resistance to my way of thinking because progressives or libertarians um, they they have during this debate they've never wanted to acknowledge that there's a downside to all this behavior uh, and I get that because you're in the middle of this debate trying to legalize it so why would you acknowledge that there's a downside um, but now it's legal so um, why don't we uh, now just have a realistic conversation about um, you know how much marketing we want around these products um, and and how much exposure um, children should have to them uh, via marketing or be at at events or parks or in the, or on the sidewalk. Um, I think these are reasonable discussions to have. We want to have to governor Tim Wallace said he wants to have the most family friendly place in the country or the, or the best place to raise children. And um, you know, I don't think an open container of alcohol on the street uh, matches up with that goal. And I don't really think that um, like, someone smoking openly on the sidewalk uh, matches up with that goal either. Um, again, not we're not trying to be puritanical here, um, and uh, not I'm not in favor of prohibition, um, but these are public health issues, and we ought to take them seriously.
0: Well, I think you bring up a good point with that marketing piece, because especially as we see, uh, I'm guessing by 2024, especially into 2025, uh, these types, So the dispensaries are going to be popping up just about everywhere. And yeah, there could be some issues popping up with marketing. So yeah, that's going to be something that I think will be a major issue coming up in the next couple of years. I do want to move on to one other story you guys have been working on over at The Reformer. And that has to do with uh, fish from the Mississippi River, because state health officials have issued an advisory saying not to eat fish caught in the Mississippi from St. Paul to Hastings, as well as Lake Rebecca. And this is due to those uh, infamous PFAS chemicals that you've probably been hearing about from 3M. The advisory applies to children under the age of 15, plus people who are or could become pregnant and people who are breastfeeding or plan to breastfeed. Kind of sounds like I'm reading a disclaimer for some sort of drug commercial, but that's essentially the guidance from From the state saying, uh, don't be eating the fish from uh, well the Mississippi River. So I, I'm curious about the timing of this advisory that was issued because, as I understand it, uh, it sounds like the DNR and 3M had some of this data back in June, but they waited until now to basically issue this advisory. So I'm curious as to the timing on this and why they decided to wait till now rather than put out this advisory a month ago.
1: Yeah, they said they had to analyze all the data, um, all those. Some of that was they, they were trying to determine um, whether the the risks inherent in eating this contaminated fish were offset by the fact that fish is healthy to eat. Um, I'm a little baffled by that. Um, I think this this story uh, shows that the the, the chemical contamination uh, caused by 3M uh, is is just going to be something that we're going to be confronting um, for the foreseeable future. Um, it's, it's much bigger, I think, than, than we realized even five years ago. Um, I think that the, we're learning more about um, what acceptable levels are and, and how much it's in our environment. And, uh, and our, our reporter on this, Dina Winter, uh, did a lot of uh, uh, investigative work on 3M chemical contamination in the East Metro um, that goes back to really after the Second World War and the 1950s, um, and the company uh, did not alert the public or regulators uh, for an awful long time, even though they knew um, what was happening. Um, and so uh, it's I think it's a it's a bigger story than maybe people realize, um, and uh, and and also in the back ground here is that 3M is, you know, negotiating this $10 billion settlement or or thereabouts uh, for contaminated drinking water systems all over the country. So um, this is is quite a story and it's going to be for, for a while.
0: And does the recent legislation that the legislature just passed, which I I believe banned these PFAS chemicals, does that have an impact at all on what's happening with the Mississippi in terms of how things are reporting? Or is this kind of more about, well, preventing these types of things from happening in the future?
1: Yeah, the problem is that uh, these chemicals um, are very difficult. They're very stable. And, and that's why they're so useful. Um, but the the problem is that that means that they accumulate in the environment. So um, it's great that we're going to um, cut their use, um, but that really doesn't mean that they there couldn't be new um, new chemicals. Um, so it's going to be hard to um, to institute these regulations, and because they are so widespread, they're used in an awful lot of products. And it doesn't really help us uh, with respect to the contamination that's already there because um, they the, the chemicals, they don't break down. That's why we call them forever chemicals.
0: And final question for you, are there any more ongoing investigations or plans by state officials uh, regarding what's happening with the Mississippi River, uh, any future guidance that they've given an indication on or are we still kind of early in the process in terms of well what we kind of know about what's uh, been happening because as you said this is a this is a big deal, this is the Mississippi River, a huge river and that's a big big area we're talking about basically from uh, Minneapolis or from St. Paul down to Hastings and Lake Rebecca.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they apparently 3M is uh, this is an ongoing investigation that's not public. And uh, 3M has uh, has filed some 10,000 pages uh, for this report. So um, I guess stay tuned as we uh, work our way through and uh, learn more about this.
0: And we can learn more over at minnesotareformer.com. Follow along the great reporting that Patrick Dina and the rest of the crew do over there. Uh, Read more about what we're talking about today again over at minnesotareformer.com as we have been speaking with Patrick Hulican of the Minnesota Reformer about some of the stories they've been working on. Patrick, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Always good to be here. All right, let's take a break and send things back over to Matt McNeil on AM 950.